passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to this month's edition of The Wellness Policy. My name is Wei Ting, and my co-host, as always, the man with the cowbell himself, Jordan Beatwell. Mm. What's going on? Yes. Uh, Wei, let's play today. Let's play. Let's play. That sounded sounded weird. That sounds weird. Yeah, that sounds oddly, um, I don't know, suggestive. and I don't, I don't think in a way that's, you know what? Sure, let's run with it. Yeah, Jordan, let's play. Looking forward to I'm in to the mood, playing. man. This is the uh, the inaugural uh, post-wrestling Thursday afternoon war. Uh, Fuck. Yeah. I come armed. Not only yeah. do I have this cowbell mallet, uh, I was looking for a pizza cutter. I thought there was a pizza cutter. Uh, we're settling for the ice cream scooper today. That is a de- deathmatch object we've see- yet to see uh, Nick Gage pull out, you know? You know, and, like, I think we kind of, like, evolved from perhaps the, the ECW era of the cheese grater into this uh, 2021 era of the pizza cutter. And, like, I mean, I'm, like, packing hard, man. Like, I got ice cream scoopers for days. How do you have three ice cream scoops in your possession? What's the point of that? Uh, that's actually a wonderful question. Uh, yeah, well, I don't you know. don't want to contaminate. You know, at the buffet, they would have multiple ice cream scoopers because they don't want to contaminate or, or to allow multiple people to eat ice cream at once. Is that what's going on at your place? I am just highly responsible when it comes to ice cream consumption and distribution. Let's go with that. Interesting. All right. Well, um, congratulations, Jordan. We are definitely going to uh, scoop, get some scoops. <laughs> On this podcast, <laughs> as we talk, what are we here to talk about, Jordan, this week? Uh, we're here to talk about play. We read a book written by an MD about the concept of play uh, from many perspectives, both uh, uh, evolutionary and biologically and socially and so on and so on. We're here to talk about play. It is something that I have built a career on. In, in many ways, it's something I'm passionate about, and I think it's something that not too many in our culture respect enough. It's honestly, when you suggested the topic in this book to me, it's honestly something I can't say I've given much thought to. You know, many times, some of the topics we cover on the show are, 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 are things that are there to, I think, um, address concerns and issues that are currently going on in some of our lives. And the topic of, am I getting enough play in my life, is never something I honestly ever think about. It's usually, am I working hard enough? 
you know, how can I be more productive? Um, you know, I think about, okay, well, how do I manage stress? But rarely do I think about play as sort of like um, an intrinsic need in my life. Mm. And, and, and is that part of the issue? And why is that, Jordan? Uh, I think play is in, in many ways kind of like the, the oil that we need, the lubricant, if you will, uh, that kind of gives life a sense of vitality and a sense of connection and a sense of more generally feeling alive. I would argue that uh, for many of us, increasing our uh, play time, we could say, would actually make us more productive and effective in our work. Mm, and, and and that's something that uh, this book that we will be kind of, you know, framing our conversation around uh, called Play by Stuart Brown, M.D., the MD means you can trust him, uh, mm. has, has written about. He has done a lot of research into the importance of play in, in our adult lives. Um, and, you know, many examples that he cites from the book are uh, from children, of course, but also from the animal kingdom, which I found pretty fascinating. You know, like I, I watched um, his TED Talk after this as well, and he constantly, like, brings up this idea of, this polar bear and a husky, uh, this this polar bear who, you know, at, at first looked like he was about to eat this husky, but because the husky was wagging its tail, the polar bear, who's, you know, like 20 times as big as this husky, like engaged in a beautiful act, ballet-like, it seems to be the way he describes it, you know, a ballative, a ballative form of play between these two wild animals, and, um... What he goes on to talk about is how play is a way to indicate safety and a way to indicate trust and a way to indicate safe exploration, which um, we certainly feel perhaps as children, but maybe we kind of lose sight of as adults. Totally. And I think to go a step further, especially for skeptics, uh, we learn a lot by studying other animals, uh, obviously being a, a descendant of them. Um, but this, the, this idea that play doesn't have like an inherent immediate survival outcome, like fulfilling hunger or safety, and that with play, there is some danger involved. So he, he gave some example of animals, you know, kind of living and playing on a mountain, and sometimes they can trip and fall to their death. But yet animals, many animals continue to play, meaning that within that behavior, there is some mechanism that helps ensure our greater survival as a species. Mm, right. In, in your own personal life, Jordan, like um, maybe what were some areas that you've kind of found mm, this to be, I don't know, the case, maybe as you were reading the book or maybe now even just thinking about it? You're asking just where play has emerged in my own life? Yeah. I'm a musician. I mean, that's how I most identify. Uh, I've done many things, like, quote unquote, professionally, whether it's uh, more in like marketing and, and branding or uh, broadcasting or as a clinical psychotherapist uh, or a group facilitator. But like when I'm filling out an, an information form at the doctor's office and it says occupation, I write musician. That's how I most identify. And I wasn't a musician because I took lessons as a kid where I was taught to perform in a specific way. And if I didn't do it correctly, then I was labeled wrong. Like 
I'm a musician because that's how I've naturally played for most of my life. Uh, I didn't really fuck that much with sports or video games as a kid. I played music with my friends. So uh, I play in many ways, but the, the constant has always been playing music. I find it fascinating how some forms of, I don't know, activity, like, are allowed to have the word play attached to it. We say play music. You know, we we say, I don't know, play video games or... Do you say, like, when you're acting, do you say play? Like, I'm going to play... Well, yeah, I, I'm going to play such and such character. Well, but, or, or like, theater, it's called a play. Yeah. Literally. Exactly. Yes. Yet, like... If we're talking about the act of creating and performing, I mean, we have an accountant here, a professor, an account, accounting professor in the in the Zoom with us. Shout out, Professor Kevin. And I think you can argue there's a great deal of creativity and performance in something like that. Why can't we say that? Hey, I'm going to play accounting. Should we? I would. Uh, I think, and and he digs into this into the book, but uh, I think having. Yeah, Using play as a lens through which we can experience life more generally, using play as a lens through which we can experience career more generally, oftentimes can be helpful um, and advantageous to us. Mm, right. So from the book, from your reading, Jordan, like what are maybe some some other ways that, you know, um, Stuart Brown suggests we should perhaps integrate play and why it's important? Um. So he kind of like breaks this up into different chapters. So there's uh, a whole section of kind of play throughout the lifespan. So digging into how play just naturally emerges in like infants and babies and young children. And really like that's how uh, in many ways they kind of start bonding with their mother, with their parents or with uh, other people in their lives. Um, And then as they start to grow up a bit into, you know, four or five, six years old. Like it talks about the concept of parallel play where you'll see two kids kind of sitting side by side playing on their own. But eventually that starts to become uh, like an interplay of sorts. And in doing so, that's kind of how you learn how to engage with other human beings. You know, not unlike uh, animals uh, use play to figure out what the boundaries are. Uh, humans and young children in particular, uh, if they have like a healthy play diet, then they're figuring out like uh, taking turns and empathy and doing this to this person actually was like crossing a line. So we're kind of learning boundaries in that sense. Uh, and then as you get more into like adolescence, you know, playing games and sports and stuff. And, and I really liked some of his examples of uh, like playing a sport, for instance, where the people doing it are just making up the rules as they go along. So it's you're learning like how to organize in a group of human beings and figure out like what's acceptable in this culture right now of, of, of a group of people and what's not. And at what points do, uh, do you cross the boundary? Uh, so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, look, I don't think the book was for me like the most entertaining read, but it was something that had been sitting on my bookshelf for 10 years, given that, uh, play is, uh, you know, one of the thesis of, of, of my work especially in the drum circle facilitation that I do. Um, but it definitely was emboldening and, and, and helpful for me to kind of reaffirm not only my inherent belief in play, 
but getting some of the science uh, behind it and getting some of just the, the context of there are other people out there at high levels studying this stuff and applying this stuff and like championing this stuff uh, mm-hmm. quite literally. I would tend to agree with you, Jordan. It, 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 you know, for a book called Play, it wasn't it wasn't the most um, fun read. But, uh, or for me, actually, I kind of split this time between audiobook and reading. I, and I feel like part of the reason for that is because it's – I don't know how it, – it is a very deep topic. But I suppose um, – like to me, it seems like it's, it's more of a one-page sort of like this is why it's important. Um, and I don't know how much more I need to like kind of really figure out beyond, beyond that. I mean unless you – of course, you have like more of a kind of clinical you know, interest in the topic. Nonetheless, the idea that you have these kind of like you know, intellectuals – championing the freedom to just like have fun is something that is incredibly freeing you know because as adults i think we somehow we we associate play as you know something that children do and in fact we might feel guilty about it if we take you know maybe two three hours away from work to you know like fuck around with lego or like something like that it feels like something we have to earn and that you know if we're not doing the dishes if we're not like doing some sort of chore that's on our to-do list we should feel guilty about it you know so at least this type of stuff this type of research legitimizes play as something that actually facilitates and could possibly help our productivity in so many of those other areas kevin actually has a question in the chat room for you jordan he says i've always associated parallel play with a negative context for example a couple sitting on the couch watching tv together versus doing something more engaging does parallel play have a negative connotation for you, Jordan? In general, no. Uh, especially, you know, the, the example I used before of uh, younger children with parallel play, like that's kind of how they're starting to feel a bit more comfortable around strangers uh, within their own kind of internal experience. Uh, if you're hanging with someone and both of you are doing your own thing, just sharing the same space, that's not inherently negative. That could be a lovely experience. Uh, you know, if I'm with like a girlfriend or a best friend and we've spent a lot of time together, like sometimes I kind of want to just do my own fucking thing, but it's still nice to share the space with them. Now, if that's the, the, the baseline or the totality of your experience, well then it may be, uh, be worth kind of checking in and, and kind of understanding why you're not engaging more. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily say parallel play generally is is inherently negative. Yeah, like if if your parallel play is like doing drugs together, um, that seems pretty bad. Like anything, I don't think watching TV in itself is is such a bad thing. You know, not to, it's not to say like all the time you spend with your loved one has to be productive. And but even productivity is is subjective. You know, you could be watching something and. It could be really important to you. For me, like me and my, my fiance, like a big part of the way we bond is through our shared experience watching a show and then, you know, either talking about it or like being able to reference it or anticipating it beforehand. So to me, that it, it's an important bonding activity for us. Um, Dude, and, you and, and I, like the past month, have been playing words with friends. Yes. Yes. You know, I've like been, I've been smoking you. I've been smoking uh, Brandon from New Jersey, too. Let's but he, be he's real. Not, he doesn't really try, actually. He averages like a good seven to eight points per word, I would say. Yeah, I don't think he really tries. But you know what? I I have to say, Jordan, and I'm glad you brought this up. 
this is because I want to talk about this in the context of this conversation. Where we cross the boundaries between play and maybe something that is a bit more serious. Because I find, Jordan, when I'm playing against you... The, okay, well, first, when I play against uh, Brandon, I don't get the sense he tries at all. Because he'll put, like, the worst words. And... If I can I, just stop you. He, if I, Sorry. He actually used the word wa in our game, like W-A-H. <laughs> I didn't know it was an officially recognized word. That's a W N and H. Those are high scoring uh, letters. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I think now, perhaps after that uh, cameo, it's been inducted into the uh, the dictionary. Yes, I'm already over it, everybody. But yes, okay, you can continue to to call me while if you need. Um, but anyway, I have to say, when I'm playing against him, I'm just like, okay, whatever. You know, I don't have to look for the high scoring words. When I'm playing against you, Jordan, I have to devote my full attention. <laughs> to what I'm going to do because it is competitive, all right? We're talking triple word. We're talking quadruple words. We're talking triple letter and a triple word. It's like, it's it's intense. And sometimes it becomes less fun because there's pressure, you know? Like mm. how I have to do well. I have to I have to beat Jordan. And so <laughs> is, there, is there sort of like um, a threshold in trying to maintain that sort of playfulness while still, I guess, I don't know, engaging and, and I don't know, doing the actual activity. Well, I think part of the point of a book like this and a conversation like the one that we're having and sharing right now is just to get us to ask these questions, to ask us to consider at any given moment, like what state are we operating from? Are we more in a play state or are we more in a competitive state? Now, there can be competitiveness uh, in play and that can be really fun or it could spill over to the point where it starts to become more about uh, you trying to be perceived a certain way or you trying to feel like you're a smart person or whatever it may be. And when it spills over into that territory, well, then I would argue we're not playing anymore or at least you're not playing anymore. And like, that's something to be mindful of as well. Um, but I, like a, a point I was working to before was that this culture so much has beat into us this idea that productivity equals uh, value, personal value, capital value, etc. And we are naturally players, like we naturally play. That's what we do as biological organisms and as human beings. And for the culture to kind of beat that out of us and to make us feel shameful or that it's less than or it's a waste of time or it's something for kids, uh, I think that's to our, our detriment. I think that's not helpful. And I would argue that you and I playing words with friends in a way which is true play, like I think that is really helpful, not only to our friendship, uh, but to like our own personal health. And if that's how you define productivity, then I would say that like, that is actually productive for us. Perhaps part of the reason why maybe there is a, a you know, such, such built up aversion to play as adults is because we maybe have in our own lives seen examples of there being too much play and not not having you know and, and in fact having your hobby or whatever it is get in the way of and certainly like video game addiction any sort of like 
I don't know, addiction to watching TV or whatever. These are things that are playful, but they get in the way of productivity. So what does he, Stuart Brown perhaps say? And what do you think, Jordan, about perhaps um, being, you know, what he calls like the, so there's a chapter called the dark side of play, which mm, is a future documentary so. series on vice. <laughs> the dark side of play. Um, to me, though, that chapter was more about like what happens if you don't get enough play in your life. But I guess for this portion of the conversation, um, how do we make sure that we have enough work attached to the play? Yeah. So not only just a play deficiency, but yeah, whether play becomes an addiction or play turns into uh, something much uh, much more like evil or destructive, you know, sometimes it goes into uh, like manipulation uh, or like playing with people's like relationships. Yeah. Or he'll talk about, you know, sometimes uh, if, if someone got like beat up seriously or things like that, or others were abused and the, uh, the perpetrators will often say, Oh, like we were just playing or it just started out as like playful and then it turned into something else. So I guess, you know, one of the points I was trying to make before is I think having these conversations and, and, you know, just creating this type of ways in which we relate to this concept of play, like it helps us be more mindful about like, again, where we are operating from and it can really be up to us to decide like, yo, I love playing words with friends, but now it's starting to interfere with my attention when I'm hanging with my spouse or my child. Or I love words with friends, but now it's interfering with my ability to be effective and responsible at work. And ultimately, that's like an individual responsibility to be able to monitor within ourselves. Uh, So like with most things in life, it's a balance and it's being able to find like that line of what is most optimal for us. It's a balance. And I would say Brown also seems to contend that even a distinction between work and play he believes is like a false social construct. Instead, what I think he's trying to preach is that we begin to integrate a playfulness into our work lives, a playfulness into our everyday lives, whether it be your chores or personal relationships or, you know, whatever you do to make money. Um, I, I just wanted to maybe read maybe one of, one, one of the passages from the book about this topic. He says, far from standing in opposition to each other, play and work are mutually supportive. They are not poles at opposite ends of our world. Work and play are more like the timbers that keep our house from collapsing down on top of us. Though we have been taught that play and work are each other's enemy, what I have found is that neither one can thrive without the other. We need newness of play, its sense of flow and being in the moment. We need the sense of discovery and lively, liveliness that it provides. We also need the purpose of work, the economic stability it offers, the sense that we are doing service for others, that we are needed and integrated into our world. And most of us need to feel, also need to feel competent. Even people who are independently wealthy and never need to work a day in their lives find that they need to volunteer or donate to good causes to feel that sense of connection and purpose. So, yeah. So even people who are completely like if we win the lottery, you know, like I I often think about this. Okay, when I win the lottery, uh, when I when we uh, when post wrestling gets sold to whatever Warner Media, we we become billionaires, John and I, and and everybody else attached to us. Will I still work? And if I don't work, um, will I be happier? I feel like I'll probably still work. 
you know, to maintain uh, that sense of purpose. And as much as I think it, it would be enticing to just sit around and play all day, like that to me is just not that interesting. No, th- there's what's fulfilling about just like chilling all the time. Again, it's the balance, you know, for my own uh, career trajectory and and now what part of what I've included into my day-to-day professional life is like professional coaching, mostly focused on business and career. And sometimes that's a question I'll ask myself or ask clients that I'm working with. Like if you just hit the lottery and like, you know, became Virgil with all this fuck money, like what would you do? What would you actually do like day to day? Uh, And would there be a sense of like you're building something in the world? And when I answer that for myself, much of what I do and have done for the past decade plus, I'd still be doing it. Maybe I wouldn't be doing it like as much. And I definitely would outsource a lot of what makes it feel like a grind. Mm -hmm. But the overall mission in, in what I'm doing, both with uh, introducing like a concept like play and going to conferences and uh, in different like clinics and introducing uh, this idea of rhythm based play, um, especially in a more professional context. Like fuck yeah, I'd still be doing that. So that at least makes me feel like I'm on the right path. Uh, because and if anything, having the money that's just more fuel to like you know, uh, like puts rocket power onto the, the, the path that I'm on. Um, what also helps is that like, it's easier for me to not take everything so seriously. I get rejected a lot, but I also like ask for stuff a lot. And, uh, with that you get no's and what's helped me not take a lot of this. So personally or seriously is that I also kind of try to treat career as a game and it's like okay like how do i figure out the rules what is the prize or how do i level up and like how do i figure out strategy to like get to the next level in this game and when people tell me no it's easier to like not take that as an invalidation of who i am as a human being and my inherent worth and it's just like uh like like i that boss beat me and like, try again. To not take it so seriously. You know, something I, I, I remember from uh, my jujitsu practice was, you know, my coach, my, my professor at the time, Elliot uh, Bayev, he's, he's just tremendous. He's actually a, was a Phil Chertok's coach as well. Um, and one of the things he would constantly remind us of is to keep it playful. When you keep it playful, you take the ego out of the equation. Mm-hmm. you're not hurt if you are forced to tap it's just the game you know you can replay you can hit start and you know it's a brand new level playing field uh keeping it playful is was something that i think is very important and keeps people practicing so that ultimately they could become you know good uh so so the question now is jordan you know like you you bring up a great example of how you're able to kind of enter your work life with maybe a sense of play by thinking of it as a game. Um, what does Stuart Brown suggest when you know we try to when he talks about finding that north star? How how do how do we take our play histories as he calls them and you know know what we what values from our play that we enjoy that we are, want to try to integrate into our work lives? 
You know, what was kind of validating about reading this is that much of what I set out to do in my own uh, coaching work is very similar to uh, his model. It had just that had been sitting in a closet for a decade, but uh, it's it feels validating that it kind of intuitively came to me too. Like when I'm working with people, I'm interested in what gives them energy. Like what makes them feel most alive? What makes them feel most like themselves? And especially as kids, when most of us felt more permission and obviously had much more time to just freely play, like that's really good information. Ever since I was a really little kid, like I was naturally attracted to music, uh, specifically rock music and pro wrestling. And throughout my life and career, I've respected that by engaging professionally and artistically in both of those things. Uh, We just don't really live in a culture and especially have like an education system and so on that I think helps provide us that narrative. Uh, It feels much more industrial. Um, But, you know, like Professor Kevin, he's an accountant. Like if he loves something like pro wrestling, like every pro wrestling company or every pro wrestler could use an accountant. You know, so again, it's like thinking about how we can start bringing these things into our lives uh, professionally. Uh, I'm a mental health professional, but I maintained being a drummer and still like get to use the playfulness of of my musicianship and the passion I have for being a drummer in a different field. Um, So when he talks about play history, I think that's what he's trying to get out of the people that he's working with. It's what did you just naturally do? Like, what what were you naturally attracted to? What gave you energy? How did you play? Uh, look, it's no surprise that you and I are doing this, and I've been podcasting for many years. When I was a little kid, I would have a uh, like a cassette recorder thing and just make radio shows by myself for no one. But that was me playing alone. And then when I was in high school, I like asked to do the morning announcements. So like if I wasn't being paid for that, no one was suggesting I did that. I didn't do it because I thought that would help get me into a college. I did it because like it felt fun to do that. So even me podcasting or live streaming uh, as an adult, that is, in my opinion, like respecting some natural vitality or expression of play that I've always had. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, starting the show is, um, I think a, a big part of it was to feed my own curiosity about topics that I otherwise wouldn't have as much reason to investigate if not for something related to work. And there you go again, even to like be able to read a book like this, I kind of needed that work excuse in order to, you know, have to, to really focus. And I think, you know, to dedicate my time to, but my curiosity about topics such as this is to me like a form of a pleasure. It's a form of play. It's something I would do regardless of whether or not I was making money from it, or I had a reason to share it for, for people. So, uh, I suppose, you know, it's one of the great things about like the, the, the free form of podcasting and, you know, like starting my own, our own thing with, with John is the ability to kind of like integrate play in, in, in many different types of ways. So um, I'm very curious to hear from the room right now. There are several of you out there who 
um, are always typically here. So we thank all of you guys who are there. And, you know, has this topic resonated with you? What are the forms of play in your life that you might employ? What is something that you think you can employ in, in your life? And really any sort of general questions about the topic of wellness in general, if you have. So we're taking phone calls right now from everybody. And you know what? Let's start here from Professor Kevin himself, the accountant. What's going on, Professor Kevin? Hey, Way. Hey, Jordan. Um, thanks for another interesting topic. Uh, it's been it's been really, uh, I, but previously I didn't get to listen to these shows live. So um, coming in here now, it's, it's, it's been really engaging and really interesting and uh, a pleasure to, to be involved with it. Um, I have a, an anecdote related to this topic because um, a couple of years ago, I was on a uh, union psychology retreat, actually. And part of the retreat, we were walking the, the entire group and the mentor, uh, we were walking through like a, a state park or something like that. And there's lots of trees and bluffs and uh, just we were in nature. And we came up to a, a, a body of water and everybody was sort of stoically walking. And when we got to this body of water, people were sort of very seriously, you know, standing there and staring at the water and, you know, reflect, you know, had very like reflective looks on their faces. And um, the mentor came by and just started splashing, just started splashing around. And it was like um, literally teaching us about play and that uh, what we were doing didn't have to be so stoic and so serious. None of us realized that until, okay, now this, the person leading this retreat is, is splashing around and, and sort of indicating to us, hey, this is a time to play and, and be playful and be curious and, and everything that we're talking about here. So I think, um, and I'm going to get to a question with this, but I think that as adults, we have a tendency to let our egos get in the way and think of things like, oh, I have to be serious right now, or I'm supposed to be doing this. It's the supposed tos. So uh, Jordan, I'm curious, like, how, do you have any rituals or uh, so, sort of how do you navigate, um, you know, letting your ego down, being okay with uh, being playful and not being so self-conscious of like, oh, there's other people like walking on this trail and like, you know, I'm not supposed to be splashing around in the water. Like, so how do you navigate that? Uh, that's a good question, man. And I appreciate the the story because I experience that all the time when I'm serving groups of uh adults, especially, and in, in even more so in a professional context, like uh, you know, a corporation or, or things like that. Um, for me, I think it's just been an evolution. Um, look, when I'm about to share a, a group music making uh, play shop, uh, and I'll specifically call them play shops instead of a workshop, uh, my biggest hurdle uh, up front is helping people like feel comfortable especially trying something so vulnerable as like playing music in a group setting. Uh, and you're right. It's, it's so ego-based and so many people are stuck in their head thinking like, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to look stupid. Everyone's going to look at me. People are going to judge me. Uh, and people are judging and criticizing themselves as well. So what I at least offer to them, and then to maybe answer your question a bit more pointedly, what I try to offer myself in return when I'm in these situations is like to just like allow myself to be human, you know, and to remind myself that play is healthy. Again, why I'm motivated to have a conversation like this, not only is play healthy, but it's natural. Uh, and if I feel like I'm going to look stupid or make a mistake, then like I'll smile and keep going because it's really not 
that serious with with most of these things. Um, also, it helps that I play a lot. And even when I'm like, quote unquote, performing, like I'll mess up. I'll make a mistake. Uh, like I'm always fine. Like it's not that big of a deal typically. So I think the more that I allow myself to play, the more just, I guess, confidence or comfortable I am in entering a play state. And like, no wonder I'm someone who like chose to raise his hand and like help others come into that. Um, I'm always fascinated by this phenomena of like dancing, like at a club or at a wedding. And it's like, who's the first to dance? You know, everyone wants to dance, but most don't want to be the first to like say I and start dancing. But what happens is one or two people start dancing and then a couple others join. And then there's like this critical mass where all of a sudden everyone's dancing. And it's like, say I, you know, just like start. And, and a part of it too, like, I, you know, I don't mind like looking foolish, you know, like part of what I did in quarantine, watching my own natural behaviors of how I dealt with all the free time was like, I just started going live on Instagram weekly. Way was the guest. And like, that was one of the most playful things I've ever done. And I'm acting like a fool. And a lot of the point was to make myself the butt of the joke. And like, to me, that's funny, you know, but I understand that most people aren't going to be that, uh, open and non-judgmental and improvisational and kind to themselves. Um, but I don't know, man, I just like, like I go out in public and it just feels like there's so much tension and like constriction and people are so like fucking wound up tight. And I understand like life is serious and life can be deadly and like there are bills to paid to be paid and so on. But like if that's all there is and we don't allow like the flip side of life to be expressed and owned and valued. Like, then what the fuck are we even doing? That deserves you know a cowbell hit. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Professor Kevin. Uh, I love that you brought up maybe your example of, of your YouTube shows, because I know, you know, you and I are both fans of, I guess, the types of, um, you know, like the the Tom Green, make like, you know, maybe Eric Andre sort of type of trolling type of comedy. And I, that's definitely a form of comedy I definitely naturally gravitate to, you know, the type of like prank humor that exists out there. And um, for me, a big part of the reason is because, you know, it it's people that are placing themselves in this incredibly tense social situation that is tense for no reason and trying to break those boundaries, you know, like walking into a store with, I don't know, bread on your head or like, um, I don't know, whatever whatever one of the top green stunts is you know just to see the reaction of the people around him to me is wildly fascinating and if i'm maybe you know um i find myself in a situation in daily life where i'm tasked to do something that might be a little bit out of character or maybe even scary and nerve-wracking sometimes i'll just think about me trying to entertain myself the way that i would watching somebody else you know do this as a bit of a stunt or a troll sketch just to see what other people's reactions would be like in the end, if you know the person that you are, if you're confident in the person that you are, the judgment of other people shouldn't really affect you. Uh, obviously, that's easier said than done, but I just try to look at it all as entertainment. Look at the world as a game, just as Jordan did with his work, for instance. And again, that's the balanced way. Like before, I said that life is serious and like 
there are real stakes. But at the same time, it's not that serious. And like, it's going to end. So it's like, you know, like it's, it's finding the duality in that and not shutting one side of that off. And I think oftentimes many of us do that. It's hard to like hold these two opposing thoughts. It's hard to like own the, uh, perhaps the irony or the, 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 the sense of like, well, how can I just like let go and have fun? Because like, there's a pandemic going on and like people are dying and people are starving and like these things are true, but like, again, there needs to be a balance in the duality. Like, and we see this in all kinds of symbols throughout wisdom, whether it's like a yin yang or like an infinity symbol and things like this, it's like, there's, there's light and there's shadow and both need to be fully respected. Let's go to another call. We go to Chicago and Scrump. Thank you for joining us again. Bang, bang. What's going on? Bang, bang. Bang, bang. How's it going, gentlemen? Happy to be uh, talking to Jordan. I've been trying to join you guys for like the last two, three shows, but work didn't permit it. And I figured, hey, what's a better show to come on here and spill all the, spill all the beans on CM Punk, right? This would be it. Yeah. You know, and this <laughs> is not coming out publicly, publicly until a week later. So... Uh, no, I, 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 I joke. I, it's uh, everyone's been asking, and I'm just like, I don't know. I made Ryan not tell me anything like that because I like to be surprised. Tell us how know? much money he's making, how many dates he's working, what, how long his contract is. See if you can get that. I, oh, I'll DM you two uh, on the side as as soon as I find out. Um, but no, there, there was a thing in that again, just in you guys talking about like trying to enjoy what you do at work and. Um, like I, I, pri- I kind of pride myself here on being like uh, the Iron Man of pro wrestling tees, and that like I just I tend to work a little bit more than some of the people, and it's not like uh, like oh check me out, I work more hours. It's kind of just like I genuinely enjoy my job and and what we do, and uh, like there's a real good sense of camaraderie here with everyone. Like it's not clearly it's we make wrestling t-shirts. So it's not like some sort of corporate job where, uh, you know, we, uh, I don't know, it's just not a corporate job. You know, half the time we're running around like yelling at each other in a very like fun kind of a family type of way. And I think that definitely makes for like the nights where we have to be here till midnight uh, kind of easier. You know, like there's a, a documentary that they did here on us like a year or two ago for All Out. And my favorite thing about that documentary that like, I don't know how many people pick up on it, but it's so many times, you know, like they'll be recording someone, you know, like this is, this is scrum. He does this, this and that. You just hear other employees in the background, like us yelling at each other, like calling each other names and in a playful way that we do normally. And it's not a thing that like, I look at the comments to be like, why are they, why are they, is everyone yelling, shut up, Jeremy? Like that's kind of rude or something like that. Um, and I, I definitely consider myself like lucky to have an environment like that. Cause I think I can speak for most of us where like I've had jobs before where you kind of just clock in and clock out and like, don't really talk to anyone. Or even if you do, it's, it's not that same sense of camaraderie that like, dare I say, you know, like you and John have, or most of the people within the post family do. Um, so I definitely think like 
having that just having that ability to be able to just like shoot the shit whether like hey did you catch dynamite or oh my god did you see what happened on this episode of loki like being able to have those sorts of like relationships with with your work family because you know if for the most part like that's what i consider like i see these guys more than i see my actual family but like Mm -hmm. i definitely think that helps with just your mental health as like in general yeah you really are uh, one of the perfect people to talk about uh, a topic like this with the scrum. So thank you very much for sharing. And, you know, yeah, just even like, I don't know, shooting the shit about last night's edition of dynamite with your colleagues. That is a form of, of social play. You're there bonding with other people about something that's not necessarily done for the purpose of work. And uh, that in itself probably, you know, helps you maybe go through your workday a little bit easier, a little bit better and uh, makes you stay those extra hours a little bit longer. So thank you very much. But wait, Thank you, Scrum. But like, even if the point is to have like productivity in the work. So I'd imagine at, at Pro Wrestling Tees, there's a lot of creative people. There's graphic designers. Uh, there's people marketing and figuring out like, how can we like better uh, engage with, with the market? Like that takes creativity. That takes imagination. That takes uh, like permission to present potentially bad or dumb or or like silly ideas like we need to have permission to play in order to do that you know i i tried really hard to bring some of that spirit to the office at ring of honor and i love those people i had a great time but like for me it was like kind of boring you know and uh Maybe others in that office uh, found me to be a breath of fresh air. I know some of them found me to be just annoying. But for me, it's like, if this is how I'm going to spend the majority of my time, especially during the day in the morning, like I can still take my work seriously, but not necessarily have to take myself that seriously. Like we can enjoy ourselves. We can enjoy the existence of our lives while still being responsible and like, uh, being productive and and creating meaningful work. Um, so like when I hear Scrum gets a sense of that in the culture of, of where he works, like that's, that's awesome. And I don't know why most of us can't do that. You know, I have friends that are medical professionals that are doing surgery and they're cracking jokes, but like they're still taking their shit seriously, but they don't have to take themselves as seriously. And that's kind of the lubricant that I mentioned earlier that like makes life worth living. Mm. I mean, I think it might just, sorry, please go ahead. No, No, I I think it might be like an American thing mostly. Cause like, I, I get that. Like, I totally get that. Like we've had, you know, as much as everyone gets along here, like we've had people who want to, they want to clock in at, you know, nine, 10 AM or whatever, uh, do their work. They don't want to joke with anyone. They just want to do their work. And, you know, the minute someone is, uh, you know, giggling at something or they're playing, you know, music, instantly they're just like, oh, great, this person's not, you know, Jordan's not focusing on his work and it's distracting me. And like, you know, everyone kind of just works different. But like, I get 100% what you're saying, Jordan, where like, there is a way to, um, you know, these are my tasks for the day. This is what I have to get done. You know, there's a real sense of urgency. But at the same time, I can, you know, like, have fun. Like, it doesn't always have to be, you know, like, shut up, just everyone do their work and, and shut up. And then once one o'clock hits, we can all have fun. Like, there's a, a balance. Totally. And with that balance, sorry, Way, I just want to make the point that I've found that 
throughout my life, the more I've actually given myself permission to play and to be more expressive and to like honor my own vitality, that's actually made me more effective as a professional. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, you know, especially in a medical profession or like working in a hospital or working as an EMT or working in an ICU, like I have to imagine some levity is really necessary for really everybody's mental sanity, especially over the past year, you know, the, the amount of stuff that's happened. So, uh, it's, it's complete. I mean, we think about recess, it's a, recess is a mandatory class in school and not, it's not necessarily when we become adults and we some, somehow lose sight of that. So, uh, I really appreciate the conversation scrum back to work. Awesome. Take care you guys. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, dude. Let's go up next to the archivist, the archivist, Brad, are you at work right now? I am way, but, uh, and then that's why I haven't been able to join you guys ever uh, really before, but uh, I am uh, at work, but Hey, I got to incorporate some play uh, right now. Welcome, and welcome. I just wanted to say with uh, what Jordan was talking about, how like as a child instincts, man, like instincts of play are just there. He, you don't know why you do something sometimes, but you just, you know, it seems fun and you, and you do it. And I'm, I would just say that uh, I have two sons, a six-year-old and a two-year-old and thinking about it now i'm just envious of how much my six-year-old can find can make anything into a game right like mm. he and especially with 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 me and my wife like trying to get something done around the house you know trying to make dinner or something i could be standing there with my legs open cutting uh you know some vegetables or something and he sees my legs open hey that's a tunnel now i'm gonna mm. i'm gonna start playing i'm gonna i'm gonna make a, a game out of going through my dad's legs and, and just, it's just, I've had to uh, stop myself so many times from being such a buzzkill now that I'm, I'm a dad and I'm trying to get dad things done. And I just, I try to, I even said to my, my wife, um, I'm, I'm being too much of a dad right now. Like a, a, a dad that wants to get things done and just realizing that your kids, like, especially when you see it through them, there's so many opportunities in a day just to have fun and just to like, just see something like an open pair of legs and go, Hey, that's a tunnel. I can make a game out of this. And I'm just, you know, like it's, it's so, it's so hard with the way that we are, especially now, uh, like I'm working from home uh, part-time uh, as we kind of get back into the swing of things and just how, you know, now I'm at home, my computer's always there. I see work all the time and it's just, it's so hard to try to get out of that flow of just work, work, work and deadlines and stuff. And to see your son just come up with a game instantly. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I'm just very envious of it. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make myself be less of a buzzkill and <laughs> let my son enjoy playing. You know, like there's, there's a time to do uh, your work. There's a time to let mom and dad get something ready. Um, but it's just, uh, looking at him and seeing the world through his eyes is, is you can see how we should be incorporating more, more play into our day-to-day -day life. And I just, yeah, I just kind of wanted to share that uh, through, through a dad's eyes, at least. That is an awesome Beautiful. anecdote. Yeah. Uh, an experience that obviously, you know, Jordan and I don't have. So thank you for sharing that, Brad. Um, Jordan, why do you, why do you think it is that, um, maybe children feel permission? I mean, do they even think about permission or do they, do they just do it? And why, why don't adults 
um, feel the, <laughs> I mean, there are many reasons why we can't simply go through people's legs, like in our day-to-day lives, but, um, speak for maybe. yourself way. <laughs> sure. But yeah. Why is it that, you know, it's, it's so much more natural to them before maybe the, uh, the, the weathering of society. Brad said it's an instinct. He's right. First of all, as the official post-wrestling archivist, Brad, it's an honor to share space with you, sir. Uh, and that was really helpful uh, to 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 offer this conversation, this idea of what we can learn from children. You know, I work with children often when I'm doing these drum circle programs. And one thing I've learned from them is that if my motivation uh, to be there and to do the work is to just make the money, well, they're going to make me like fucking earn that money. But if my spirit and my energy and intent is to be there to play and to serve them and to have a good time, uh, like it's so much easier. And what I've also noticed is that the other age specific population that is similar to kids in how they relate to my programming are older people, much older people. And it's because I think they realized that entering, you know, adolescence and adulthood and middle age where they tried to keep things buttoned up and beat the play out of themselves. Like once they got to a certain point, I think they realized like, fuck, that wasn't the thing to do. Like who cares? And at that point you start thinking about like mortality. It's like, you're going to die. Why did you take it so seriously all along? You know? So go ahead. Way. Well, I was going to say how much of that is due to, our responsibility that increases as we age and decreases as we age. You know, the idea of having to maintain sort of like this togetherness about you because you have so much things, so many things to handle um, so that you can't really either appear to be just completely carefree or simply you don't have the time or attention to. But again, like there's a balance to it. I would argue that much of what perhaps allowed me to be successful in really unique ways professionally, whether it's doing stuff at a high level as a mental health clinician or doing the stuff with the ring of honor or some other things I've done in life. Like, I think my playfulness has been really helpful. It's allowed me to make mistakes. It's allowed me to be rejected. It's allowed me to like advocate for myself and like to know that, like, it's not that big of a deal, like, if if I don't win the game, you know, every time. Um, I, I think many people that, like, I work with appreciate the fact that, like, I can both be really serious and be really intentional about the objective of the work, but, like, still have a good time and still make things playful and still be engaging and improvisational um, and, and lighthearted. Um, I think, look, the ways in which you are socialized in education, it's like, what, what is success? What is validation? It's getting a good grade. And it really doesn't have much to do with like, uh, you, how cooperative you are with other people or like how creative you are with other people or like how generous you are. Like, it's about what's your grade. And then that determines what kind of college we get into, which the narrative goes that helps determine what like job we get. And I think that's just it's it's a busted narrative. And and I think that narrative beats the vitality and the aliveness and the playfulness out of many of us. 
Thank you very much for the call, Brad. Hope to hear from you next month. Thank you, We go to New Jersey and the word with the friend with word himself, if he is around. Hello? Hello, Brandon. Hey, what's up, man? Uh, I guess you're talking about uh, uh, being serious and whatnot, or we're not joking around. And and where I work at, it's... It's just like a constant like comedy club. Everybody cuts up on each other, but uh, and and you're only we're only together for like I guess till like four hours before we leave, and then you're alone in your thoughts. But uh, and, and for people who aren't aware, Brandon, what do you do? Uh, I'm a UPS driver. I'm currently pulled over right now talking to you on my break. So, so well, thank you thank for you. spending it with me. No, no, thank you, thank you, thank you. So like, yeah, I, I like to, I joke around a lot with my coworkers a lot <laughs> and I, I, whatever, really? anybody else I, I, yeah, I, I, with anybody else I interact with, but what if it's the inverse and you try to be serious and uh, they don't take you seriously. Like they think you're always joking around. Like, well, what's mm. the, what do you do? Like, like I, 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 I guess interacting with you and whatnot, I guess you think I'm always joking around and whatnot. And, and for the most part I am. Uh, and it's fun and whatnot, and I'm, I'm sure it's fun that you you uh, do it back and whatnot, or, or anybody. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's just, I, I like when I whenever I try to be serious, like uh, they don't take me seriously. Like it's 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 I don't know, it's weird. Right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like I'm laughing right I, now, but I'm trying to emote like in all seriousness. Like I don't know. It's uh, what do you think of that? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Brandon, I'm curious. Like, do you take yourself seriously? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I well, then why? Ex- <laughs> I want to, but I mean, when I try to, I I sound, I don't know. In my head, I sound dumb. Like, I, I'm like, this is not you. You're not that serious. You're 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 a buffoon who laughs. Who has a, well, my- a, a weird, especially when you're nervous. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, look, I appreciate like the honesty and the vulnerability in sharing that. And like inside game first, like you who why expect anyone to buy into shit that you don't buy into in the first place, especially as it relates to yourself, you know? So, look, one of the reasons why I enjoy your presence so much uh, is because of your lightheartedness and of your humor and so on. And like to the point where you've become a fixture of this post-wrestling culture. There's a reason why Wei will typically wait until the end to bring you in because you provide a ton of value in, in, in how you present. But I don't think Wei would also like do that or we would like champion you in the way in which we do. Like if that's all we thought of you, like I very much respect your opinions and perspectives on pro wrestling and some of the other topics that, that, you know, we chat about in this community. And I think it's the balance of that in which allows someone like me to like, not just take you seriously, but like really fucking take you seriously. Yes. I completely agree with what Jordan said. I, I would also say, um, I mean, I don't, you know, definitely, um, it can be frustrating if you feel like people aren't taking you seriously, Brandon. Um, but, you know, you also have a gift, dare I say it. And I'm going to regret saying this later. But the ability to um, 
I don't know, just put people at ease and make them laugh. So I wouldn't really take that for granted either. And I would definitely embrace it. But, you know, as far as like maybe, I don't know if you wanted to introduce serious conversation into something, I I don't know. Well, how, how does it occur typically? Maybe around, you know, your more personal friends or, or, or even family members. Um, well, how do you typically engage like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they try to engage me on a, on a serious topic. And, and I look at them like, dead tan in the face and, and I say something uh I don't know I try to be witty I, I, I don't know I get nervous when when uh I'm cornered and I'm <laughs> I'm being asked something like very very serious like you know what I'm saying I, I don't know it's my mm. neurosis it was it's like I guess it's deflecting of, of, of something else or something like that I don't know I could be wrong I could be talking out of my ass but uh and yeah. dude, like it's it's also interesting that you use the word like like it feels like you're being cornered when maybe for some people they're just trying to chat with you Exactly. I agree with you 100%. And I feel bad because I know that person in, 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 uh, in, in, to them is trying to, you know, communicate with me in, in something that they want to get across so, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And yet I, I, I don't know. I'm, I get nervous. For, for, me, for me, Brandon, yeah, I, t- I, t- I totally do understand. And, and for me, if you wanted to ever talk about something personal or serious, off air, on air, like all you have to say is like, hey, uh, I get a little nervous when I speak, so I might laugh a bit. But uh, what I have to say to you is is somewhat serious. Uh, would you know? Like that's that's all you have to do is really maybe preface it, and I would hope that most people would be open to to something like that. I, I I'm not. I never. I mean, I've I've done that with you before. Like uh, I've DM'd you, and you've you've responded in kind in a in a serious topic, like the pandemic and whatnot. We we I don't know if you remember, but we spoke. And I do. You, you gave me some confidence and whatnot, and I I, I appreciate that. Like nobody has to do that shit, but uh, uh, no, I, I get that. <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, I, it's just a uh, uh, what do you how do you say it? Uh, uh, it's like a never-ending cycle for me. I don't. Know. It's just I, it's just something I'm trying to work work on, but uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> what I'd like to offer you, Brandon. One like in the struggle of you trying to uh, you, you know like evolve from kind of where you are now like i'd hope that you'd be really kind to yourself in the process because when any of us try to change something that we don't necessarily like about ourselves like there can be frustration and there could be shame or there could be like anger at ourselves for like why isn't this easier uh so one i'd hope you'd just be really like kind to yourself and give yourself grace in 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 that process but like dude the fact that you're sharing this with us and like publicly like fucking respect for that you know like this is you actually respecting yourself and this is this is you like taking responsibility for these things and i would argue most people don't have the stomach to do that so the fact that you're actually just saying these things out loud in a supportive environment like that is you doing the work literally i i consider this i consider this a safe space because uh i feel you guys are pretty genuine with stuff like this and whatnot uh i, I don't just i don't just like i go to my therapist and whatnot but i also like i don't really talk like this to random people it's like you know it's a trust and whatnot so uh, yeah i appreciate it. thank you brandon and uh i appreciate you deflecting from the bellator preview show for this <laughs> i bought that i bought i bought that shirt by the way it's, it's a great shirt <laughs> The Eric wonderful shirt. shirt, the Eric Marcotte <laughs> shirt, available now at store.postwrestling.com. What was his reaction like? I haven't seen it, of course. So, what, what was Eric's reaction? 
Are you asking me? I don't know. I, I just I just turned this on. <laughs> oh, never mind. Oh, so you didn't even come from that feed. Wow. No, no, Dedication, no, no. man. This is no. Nah, I I you guys are talking about a topic that uh I I always wanted to talk about. It, it was it was weird. I don't know, but uh it was something that I wanted to talk to any uh I guess I guess one of you guys about and uh you did it so uh I appreciate it. it's weird like when you talk about like on post like when when you guys are talking about something serious and I want to chime in but and then I chime in and then it becomes a mitigated disaster so so I'm glad no I'm glad. no no no, no. It, it's never not, a disaster it's not, no 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 it, it, it's 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 fine I I find it funny but I I I thrive in chaos but uh no but uh no, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are talking about this. <laughs> I love you guys, and uh, thank you. You know, thank you for giving me. Thank you very much, Brandon. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. What were you gonna say? You're gonna. Well, say I, know, I was gonna say, you know, often yes, when we have you on the shows at the end, we know kind of we have an idea of like what to expect, and sometimes it might not be that serious. But then some there there's the odd occasion where you'll actually bring up like a really interesting topic of discussion, and uh, ultimately, I think John and I like hope we we are able to maybe um, navigate like a conversation to find sort of like the heart of what you are trying to say. And if it is indeed from like, if it is indeed a good curious question or something, uh, you know, like you're, you're actually trying to make a point. I hope we can identify that. And I hope we can actually treat that with, you know, maybe the intent that you were expecting. So if we're not, please um, let me know. I, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. I love you guys. Love you too, dude. Thank you. All right, I'm not. He's still laughing. I love that man. Uh, man, some fantastic calls as always uh, on the edition of the Wellness Policy, and we thank everybody for joining us Thursday at 1 p.m. Uh, we'll be back next month, September, right, Jordan? September second, I believe. September second, yes, right before All Out Weekend. September second, the first weekend of September. And Jordan, as we wrap up this edition, what are we talking about next month? Well, you know, perhaps this topic of play uh, was was just completely in rhythm with one Brandon from New Jersey. I think next month's topic could be uh, tailor-made for one Maddie B. We will be talking about dating, waiting. Oh, my. Wow. Very exciting. Mm, dating. We got a th- thumbs up in the... All uh, right. You know, much of this comes from actually Jake's, uh, Jake from Chicago, Jake from the Windy City's um, suggestion on a recent edition of our one of our podcasts. It is a topic that um, I don't really think necessarily think about um, when it comes to wellness, but of course, it's a part of life and it's something that we all think about. And it's certainly something that can be very stress inducing and also uh, pleasure inducing. So, <laughs> uh, Professor Kevin in the comments saying, I'm married and this topic terrifies me. Uh, I'm, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't. We, you know, most of us, I, I guess have some, some form of dating history and yeah, like to maybe share some of these topics might be a bit nerve wracking, but you know what? Um, we'll try to, Jordan and I will try to lead the conversation and, uh, I'm really looking forward to it actually. As am I, uh, I feel like a good energy. It's, uh, I think just because dating and romantic courtship and all that, like it's, vulnerable as fuck it can be incredibly awkward uh, obviously uh, the the stakes are high in that you can be rewarded greatly uh, or you could have your heart broken so uh 
I don't know. Brandon from New Jersey said he he kind of thrives in chaos. In a sense, I do too, but that's kind of what makes me feel alive when like the stakes are high. There, to me, there are like fewer maybe vulnerable moments that we all kind of have to put ourselves in than perhaps, you know, the, the feelings of the beginnings of a relationship or a first or a second date. Uh, it's It's a process where I feel like you learn a lot about yourself and, you know, maybe more so than you do about the other people. So... Uh, we'll be talking about all this, and I don't think we're going to focus on a specific book or even a documentary. We might just kind of more loosely base this on like a conversation, and we hope to have a lot of integration because we're going to need it from all of you guys in the Zoom room. So do make some time. Mark it in your calendars. Thursday, September 2nd, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. in the UK. So anything else, Jordan, before we wrap up? Yeah, man. Like, what? Where are you at with Lego? Like, what are you working on, or what's the next thing you're? And like, do, you is that is that your play? Because the Lego thing, I've never got. Like, I've never owned a piece of Lego or a puzzle. I don't I even know what the language would be. Uh, uh, Lego b- p- brick, a Lego piece. Yeah. Um, uh, where I'm at with it, like, I've actually gotten into it a lot more, perhaps, um, recently. Like, it's always been a part of my life. It's a part of my screen name. Everybody, like for people who don't know, 0937 flipped upside down is Lego. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Show, eh? Yeah. I just assumed that was like your birthday. Like September 1937. I guess I did clearly didn't think <laughs> that much into it, but I assume people have like four numbers. It's like a birthday or something. It's not. No, it's not. It's it's something that's always been a part of my life as a kid. But then, you know, I never really got I kind of like stepped away from it, you know, as most people do what we call the dark ages. People have the wrestling dark ages in the Lego community. There are dark age. Um, com- it, it's a phrase as well. But then I just kind of got back into it. I think when the Lego movie came back out and, you know, it was like, oh, OK, there's just like cute little thing from like my childhood. Uh, yeah, it's nice. And then like I just got one of the sets. And then I got like a Back to the Future set and that just kind of really got the ball rolling because like I realized Lego now um, has a lot of adult fans. Similar, it's, it's a lot like pro wrestling where like pro wrestling traditionally has been geared towards children. But as its audience grew, so did its product. And Lego these days has like released a lot of things for adults with complex building techniques. When you think building techniques, what is this like engineering here? No, not necessarily. But there is a great deal of really interesting math when it comes to the design of a Lego brick. You know, like many people know, three plates stacked up equals one brick. Did you know that I believe it's like five bricks stacked on its side equals the length? I don't know. It's it's a side building technique that is like wildly fascinating. And I've gotten into like, you know, um, half plate. Like they do half plate um, builds now. I would I I could geek out over this thing for like an, an hour. So and um, I feel that in your energy, I appreciate that. I just cannot relate to it uh, at least that specifically. So like, is it something that you do with others, or it's completely in isolation? Oh, it's I would say it's uh, outside of maybe interacting with some online forums and online communities about it. Um, it's it's a pretty solitary thing. You know, like it, occasionally if I get something that Pauline might be interested in, we might like build together. But it's primarily a solitary thing and I'm more than happy with it. You know, I have a little personal connection co- collection here. And for me, it's just a great stress reliever, not just in the actual building itself, but in the 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 you know, browsing 
like my gateway is not necessarily like watching more wrestling when I'm done work. It's watching reviews and interviews with like Lego designers. Like that's my de-stressor. So mm. um, that's something I, I definitely, um, you know, has enjoy in my spare time. And when you get like the Lego Adidas shoe, it comes with directions. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you're not so you're, you're not expected to build it just off of the photo on the box. No. It's, do you ever it, just free play with the bricks? Uh, yeah, sometimes. You know, if I have a bunch of spare spare bricks, uh, admittedly, it, that was something I probably did a whole lot more as a child. These days, I'm more of a collector than necessarily necessarily a builder. You know, and for so me, you, it's like. You buy the thing, you build the thing, and then it it goes on display. Yeah, goes on display right there or wherever I want to throw it. I've been building like the set of like flowers that they mm. release. That's just awesome. Like uh, that we're actually going to try to integrate into the wedding somehow. But like anyway, so it, much of I think adult collecting is more so like just kind of building what's set out in front of you and displaying. For me, like um, to get into like creative building requires like a far bigger collection of loose pieces that. I just don't really have. Um, so I'm not as interested in that these days. But I definitely admire people who can do it. And uh, Not unlike yeah. playing with wrestling figures as a kid and now many adults collect them. Exactly. Yeah. Put them in the Detolf. You know, so when Zack Ryder came out with the Detolf for the Nick Gage bench, I was like, oh, okay, I know, I know where he got that. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's just fun. It's, it's interesting. It's creative. It's a, it's a passion, dare I say it. Yeah, what about you, Jordan? What's sort of your play activity? Uh, Instagram stories. We all know this. Really? I just make oh, shit on right. Instagram. Yeah, I mean, like, that's if I'm just going to, like, have some time to kill, uh, you know, and, and if you go through, like, my archives, I'll have different series. And here, like, I did a whole series for, like, a year where the only thing is that there's a song that can only last five seconds and there's a Mountain Dew can in the bottom right corner. And those are my parameters. And then like, how creative can I be with uh, those two rules, uh, for example? And so like, to me, that's playful. That's creative expression. Uh, yeah, I play music and um, I don't know, like just again, like part of the point of this conversation, I try to make life play. Like when I go to the food store and like when I'm interacting with people, it's like, Life's a playground. I mean, when I pitched myself to Joe Coff, to be honest, uh, for a high-level position at Ring of Honor, I literally told him, I want to play in your sandbox. And that's what I did. And he's like, it's in my backyard right here. Yeah, go nuts. Yeah, well, <laughs> had a good time while I did it. Showed a sandbox. Okay, wow, that's interesting. That's very fascinating. I really, maybe that that's my main takeaway from this conversation, Jordan, to... So to look at life as a sandbox where you can be free to explore and free to um, engage your ideas. So beautiful. that wraps it up for this month's edition of The Wellness Policy. We hope that you guys will check in with us next month. And if the conversation interests you at all and you would like to continue it, you can join the Discord. Discord, or is it postwrestling.com slash Discord. We have a wellness policy channel where... Jordan is always active. I definitely uh, check in on it as much as I can. And you can leave some topics, some feedback. Also, for patrons, forum.postwrestling.com, we have a wellness policy thread where we're always taking questions if you have them. Or the best way, of course, is to join us next month here. But 
Uh, until next time, Jordan, um, take us away. Uh, I guess I'm going to try out this new catchphrase. We'll see if it sticks or not. But uh, scoops up. Scoops up.